And so now that I'm, again, finding my voice, yeah. I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm not just Radio Amy from the Bobby Bone Show. Yeah. I'm Amy Brown and I have stuff going on. Yeah. So I'm trying to be proud of that. Welcome to the Find Your Voice podcast, a show where we believe in the power of the written word to create positive change in your personal life, your community, and the world. I'm your host, Allison Fallon. Whether you're an aspiring author or someone who swears they're not a real writer, we're here to show you how a regular practice of writing will help you access your intuition, make an impact, and find your voice. Join me for interviews with authors, writing prompts, and stories of how even simple words change lives. today's episode of the Find Your Voice podcast, I talked to my friend Amy Brown, aka at Radio Amy. You should all go follow her on Instagram. (laughs) There are so many reasons to love Amy, but let me walk you through just a few reasons why I love her. First of all, Amy is a radio host on The Bobby Bones Show. And listen, I'm not a huge radio program lover, but listen to me when I tell you that this is not your typical morning show. If you haven't listened, you should definitely go do that. You can hear them. Easiest way probably is to hear them on the iHeartRadio app, and you'll immediately get what I mean. It feels like you're hanging out with your five most eclectic best friends. (laughs) But radio aside, Amy is also a mom of two adopted Haitian kids, an entrepreneur several times over, and an inspiration to millions. Well, she's made a career out of speaking every morning, obviously, it wasn't until recently that she truly embraced her passions. In this episode, she traces that evolution from Radio Amy to Amy Brown, a woman proud of who she is and unabashed about the projects which speak to her heart. One of the things I love so much about this episode, and I know you're going to love too, is that Amy still swears to me that there's no way she's ever going to write a book. (laughs) We'll see who wins on this argument. But she still has so much to say, and her voice is an absolutely vibrant and essential part of country music and adoption and so many other things. So if writing a book sounds miserable to you, but you're here and you're listening because you want to find your voice, this is your episode. You're going to love it. And I know you're going to love Amy. I promise. I'm here with Amy Brown. Amy, thank you so much for doing this with me. You're welcome. Happy to be here. So pumped to talk to you. I'm going to start with the same question we always start with on this podcast, which is what does find your voice mean to you? Gosh, I feel like it means finding what you're passionate about, finding what you believe in, finding what makes you whole, finding what makes you happy, and sharing that Love with that. others. I feel like I'm I'm 38. I feel like I'm finally finding that voice, mm. which is ironic because I've been in radio for 14 years. So I talk for a living. Yeah. And a lot of people would think that that means that I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) But if you listen long enough to the show, you'll find out I don't. (laughs) Um, But, you know, we're just on there having fun. But as I've, as I, maybe I've become a mother in the last two years. And just as I've matured, I always thought 40 was so old. And my, when my mom's friends were turning 40 and they were putting Lordy, Lordy, Susan's 40 signs in their friends' yards <laughs> and black balloons and over the hill. And that just seemed so far away and that 
they were, but they were such adults and they had it all together and life was just figured out. And then now we're approaching that and I still can't put gas in my car (laughs) before it gets to empty (laughs) at all. Uh, I, there's certain adult tasks that I just can't believe sometimes I'm an adult, even with two kids. Sometimes I think I can't believe I'm, I'm a mom, but we're all just figuring it out as we go and nobody really has it together. So I've been able to find grace in that, mm. but also with, but with age, the, the positive side, even though I don't feel like an adult sometimes is the wisdom that's come with that. it and like falling into myself and who, who do I want to be and what are my passions? Yes. And then that's where I think my voice is. I love that. Okay. I want to unpack that, what you just said, your passions and what is looking like for you current present day to step into this voice. But I also, before we do that, I want to back up a little bit and just let our listeners know how you got into this career path in the first place and and a little bit more about what that looks like. So well, so yeah, tell me how you got into radio. I know. I, I feel sometimes interns or people wanting to get into radio come to me and they're like, tell me your ways. Like, how do I do it? And I hate that I have to tell them. I, but it is cool. I hate it and I love it. Like, I love that it just, I had zero aspirations for radio. I had no idea this was coming. Never in a million years did I think I would be on the radio. Now, my senior year of high school for career day, I did go to the local news station and I thought I wanted to be a news anchor. Okay. But then in college, that wasn't the route I went. I did meet Bobby at a restaurant and I did in that... I was a listener of the Bobby. I had a job. I went, graduated, moved back to Austin, and I would drive. I had an hour commute to work every day. So that's a long time to be in the car. Yeah. As a morning show, we love listeners that have long commutes. Yeah. Because most people, not a, even though you're in traffic a long time or depending on where you live, a lot of people don't. They may listen to us for 15, 20 minutes, if that. Yeah. But then we've got our loyal people that are in their car for an hour, hour and a half. There's an accident, maybe two, or if they live in DC or something. But I listened an hour each day and I really loved the show. And I liked Jill, who was his co-host. And I, one day at work, when I got out of my car, I went right to my computer because I was curious what they looked like. And I just went to the Kiss FM website because we're country now, but it was pop then, 96.7 Kiss FM. And so I saw what he looked like. That's it. End of story. And somewhere in my head, I knew what he looked like, but not a lot of people did because he'd only been on on air in the mornings there, maybe a year and a half. Yeah. And I saw him eating by himself. I went and met my friend, Andrea, one of my best friends from high school at her dad's restaurant, which is a Culver's, shout out. (laughs) And I look over and I said, I think that's Bobby Bones. And she said, who? And I said, you're not a member of the Kiss Club? <laughs> like, I just, I don't know. So I said, well, she's like, well, go say hi. Here, I'll give you some ice. I'll go get some ice cream coupons in the back. That way it's like, at least you have an icebreaker. Like, hey, thanks. I listen to your show every day. Here's some free ice cream. Yeah. So that's basically what I did. And and y'all just struck up a conversation? Struck up a conversation. He, We just had some stuff in common, became friends. Shortly after that, we were both training for the same triathlon. So there was stuff to talk about there. And then we started hanging out. And then at one point he asked me who I had voted for in the latest election. And I proudly said, George Bush. And he was like, huh, okay. But I guarantee you that is what got him even more interested in me because he knew that he was pretty 
kind of just on the fence about things and not that our show was political by any means, but he thought that that being conservative said something about my personality more so of what I would say on the air, what I would bring to the table. And Lunchbox was really zany and wild and he was the Democrat and like loved. And again, if you you listen to that show, even if you listen to us now, we're not talking real politics, politics, but sometimes stuff would come up and you would have to take your side and it didn't matter. That was our job to take our side. (laughs) And so Lunchbox would handle his loud side and his thing. And then I would handle my thing. And then Bobby would kind of be the guy, very strong opinions, but he would be, he's more in the middle. The moderator. Yeah. The moderator, you know? So that... I really think that that got him intrigued in me. And then from George there- George Bush won you here. He really did. Your first Not only did I vote for him, but he kind of in he a way voted vote for me. For you. <laughs> so he's probably listening right now. Yeah, hey, George, he, yeah. now you know the story. Hey-o. So then I, the co-host was leaving Jill and he was looking for a new co-host and they ended up hiring somebody else because his bosses, he wanted to hire me, but his bosses were not feeling it. Not some random girl he met. Like, does she have at a restaurant? Experience? So that she worked there for maybe about like six months or so, and then he called me and he's like, "Hey, I really think I'm going to figure out a way to get you in here. This vibe isn't currently working. She's mm. great. I like her, but it's not what I'm looking for. So I'd love to bring you in. And she's a great producer, so she'll shift over to that role, and you'll become a little bit more on air. And so I thought well, shoot, I have a great job. Like, I don't know if I'm going to leave it. I was working in sales and I had opportunity for growth and traveling the world, working for a great company and with friends. Why would I leave this for an unknown? I didn't even know. I remember going home that night and Googling what do radio DJs make? And I was even titling my job as radio DJ, which I'm not a DJ. I learned later I'm a co-host, a personality. I'm Got not it. spinning music and picking <laughs> songs, but, and I really couldn't find any substantial info to tell me exactly what I would be making other than I knew I would be taking a pay cut. Yeah. And when you're 24 and you're this new, like living on your own, that's kind of scary sure. to think you're building your career one way and then to go another route. And I talked to my mom about it and she told me, actually, Amy, if there's ever a time that you do do this, 24, 25 yeah. years old is the time to do 10 it. 10 years later would be much so, harder. Exactly. Like mm-hmm. So I took her advice and I went and I put in my two weeks and I started my career in radio. Amazing. I actually love, you said at the beginning of this that you you hate when young girls or young women are asking you, like, how did you get into radio? And you feel like you have to be... Well, I wish I just had this like, oh, I interned yeah. for five years. It was a hustle. I had to totally. get Bobby his water and it was brutal <laughs> and stuff off the copy machine. And I worked my way and I did overnights and I came and I ran the board even on holidays. I mean, there's people that really sure. want in radio and they were hustling to get there. Sure, sure. And I think, so that's not lost on me because there's people that really are passionate about it. And I remember being at the copier one day my first or second day on the job. And we're in a building in the iHeart Austin building. There's there's probably six radio stations. And I was at the copier getting something and someone from the other radio station said, oh, are you the new Bobby Bone Show intern? And I was like, no, I'm the new co-host. And they kind of looked at me like, what? Like they worked in the building for another station. Probably they would give anything to be the morning drive on air. It's like, I didn't start it. You know, yeah. Bobby, he started overnights, which is brutal. Sure. He, he started nights. Then he went to middays. Then he got a lucky break and got mornings because somebody got fired. And then he went and begged our, the 
boss there to be like, hey, yeah, give me a shot. Like if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, but you need somebody now, try me. Yeah. And so then here I am like skipping in, like just quit my job for this, like no radio experience, zero zilch. Like I don't even know what I'm doing here. <laughs> hey. Oh so gosh. that part is where I think I struggle not being able to, you know, tell someone that wants to get into it because the odds are they're not going to go meet sure. a Bobby in a restaurant. And, but at that point too, to be fair though, he wasn't, it was a morning show coveted slot. Any morning drive is no matter where you are, but he wasn't the Bobby he is now. So, yeah. I mean, we were in one market again, my BFF did not even, she lived in Austin, listened to the radio, didn't know who he was. And now she would. It just, sure. and not that he's a household name now by any means, but he, I think he's defines himself as moderately known in certain regions. Yes. I think I've heard him say that. <laughs> but, but now he's on American Idol and yeah. he's on billboards and he's doing Dancing other things stars. and his stuff is growing for him. So that, and all that he does out there grows our morning show. So sure. in turn, it grows what we're doing. So that was why my answer is that I, yeah. I, I didn't have the hustle. I mean, a hustle now, but... That's what I, I was going to ask you about. So I think part of why I love it is that sometimes we think we have to make stuff happen for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's way more about allowing things to happen the way that they're meant to happen and trusting that the path that we're on is is part of our story and part of how it's unfolding. And I'm also assuming that present day, I'm not assuming, I know, because I know you. <laughs> we started this interview and you're like, running a few minutes late, hold on, you can come in the house, the door's unlocked, I'm in the bathroom. <laughs> I'm like, I know that feeling when you're like rushing from one thing to the next and you're not, you are living a life that requires quite a bit of hustle. And you're a mom and you're, you're ambitious and you've got a lot of things going on. So, so what are some of the roadblocks you've hit along the way or moments when you've really questioned the choice you made or questioned your confidence or how have you like overcome those, those moments or recalibrated? I think, well, I always thought once I had kids, I would not work. So Mm -hmm. that was kind of the thing, even I, but I was trying to get pregnant and we ended up adopting. I never was, um, we never, we don't have any biological children, but I kind of signed a two-year deal and thought, okay, once the two years, oh, well, then I got, I got married and my husband was in the Air Force and he had to move away. Like, but we got married in the middle of my contract and we decided as a couple that I would fulfill my contract. Even though we got married, we would live apart. So I could live in Austin and he was living in England at first, but then got transferred to North Carolina, but also was spending a ton of time in Afghanistan. So with all that happening, it was like, okay, I'm just going to move in with my mom, finish my contract mm-hmm. and quit the show. That's, that's what's happening. Yeah. We're done. Then it was, okay, I'm leaving. Bobby even threw me a goodbye party. And then after that, he had a new contract coming up and it said, as part of his deal, he said, I'm not resigning unless you figure out a way to keep Amy on the show and put a studio in her house in North Carolina because my husband was at Fort Bragg. So he comes to me and he's like, guess what? You can stay on the show. And I thought, well, shoot. Like, <laughs> I, now I was already done. Yeah. And again, still wasn't a career to me at that point because I had to think about it. And yeah. then, you know, talk to my husband and that's what we decided to do. So we put a studio in our house and I worked from my, I worked from North Carolina for five years. Wow. But even in those five years, I always said we were trying to get pregnant actively. Yeah. Actively. Uh, but, and we. <laughs> How actively? <laughs> Tell me more. Um, <laughs> my husband's in here. What did you just say? 
kind of, no, we were actively, <laughs> we were seeing a fertility doctor on base, which imagine going to some of your appointments and getting like your fallopian tubes tested and people walk in in camo oh and they're gosh. like, it was on base. Like everybody was in there. Yeah. So it was uncomfortable, but, uh, we can't hear you, babe. My husband's like yelling from the couch and we can't, you're not getting picked up on the mic, but we can bring I, you on here though. If you want, you could be Yeah. Do you have thoughts? Yeah, he doesn't want to talk about fertility. But we were. We were hoping we were going to get pregnant. So I told Bobby, hey, just so you know, when I have a baby, I'm done. Yeah. Quitting. Done. Yeah. I want to be home with what the baby. What did Bobby think about that? Was he, he just like, thought he was like, I needed to be more less conservative and more independent, you know? Like, And then yeah. that was... But I said, well, this is this part of what you loved about me. Was that... Yeah. 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 Uh, so then never got pregnant. I was like, well, okay, I guess we're going to try to adopt. But just so you know, we're adopting a newborn baby. And when the baby comes, I'm quitting. <laughs> I mean, every contract, it would yeah. be like, just so you know, when this happens, I'm quitting. So there was a lot of, I never really felt, I felt like my foot was in the door, but I still wasn't seeing it as my career. So <laughs> as bizarre funny. as that sounds. And at this point now, I'm seven years in. Yeah. And then we are in the middle of adopting a domestic newborn baby and moving back to Austin because my husband got out of the Air Force and he's a pilot so he could live wherever. So my mom had just been diagnosed with cancer. So I want to be close to her. So we Mm -hmm. moved back to Austin. And about a few weeks after that, Bobby gets a call that we are going, he got a call and he got flown up to Nashville and they want to take the show country and blow it up. Like, I know y'all are in a few markets here. Like, it's, you know, you're syndicated a little bit. You're small markets, which was great for us. We thought it was amazing. We're like, we're in Wichita, Kansas. What up? (laughs) Um, Which Wichita is our favorite. Like, that's our, that was our first syndication ever. They are like ride or die. Like, they, I, if you're from Wichita and listening to this, like, I love you. They're like the first other city that gave us a chance besides Austin. So, and then we branched out, but he, he thought, okay, either I built this life in pop, so I'm going to abandon it and try to go country. And if they reject me, I don't know what's going to happen. Or we go over there and we kill it. Yeah. And then we end up in, which is sort of in a way what's happened because we're in over like 150 markets now. Yeah. And that's our morning show. We do a, a country top 30 that's in like almost 200. And which, now- by the way, your show, you're a friend. I started listening to the show after you and I met each other through Gracie and Tracy and everyone. But I, you can ask my husband- I listen to the show. Um, I love listening to the show. It's so like, it's not like any other morning show because it's so not scripted and it's just you guys being ridiculous. Well, that's always been Bobby's thing. Is let's be as he's got it all planned out, but it's very organic in a sense that we all send him prep every night and then he goes through it and we don't know what he's going to talk about and he brings it up. And then if we ever start to talk about something during commercial break, he's like, cut it off. The first time we want to talk about it is on the air. I don't want to yeah. hear it right now because he wants it to be the genuine sure. reaction. So anyway, that was just a plug for the morning well, show. Thank you. Y'all should listen to it. If thank you, you for listening. Uh, the iHeartRadio app, if you can't listen to it in real time, you can listen to the podcast later. Yes. Thank you for that. And he didn't know what was going to happen. Like, do we move to Nashville or do we stay in Austin and try the pop world? But we had Ryan Seacrest on the West Coast and Elvis Duran on the East Coast and they were syndicated and saturated the market. So really there was no room for growth. So he decided, okay, I'm going to give Nashville a try. Let's try it. There is no country Ryan Seacrest. (laughs) So maybe I can be that or whatever you want to call it. And so he's like, you going to come with me? And I thought, we literally just moved back to Austin. 
My yeah. mom's sick. I'm adopting a baby. What? what? I'm busy. Still don't have that baby yet. <laughs> but we're in the process. Yeah. We can get picked. Like I've got to do a new home study because we had started the home study process in North Carolina. Every time you move, by the way, you have to start over. Adoption is just, it's not easy mm-hmm. at all. And so then we, I talk to, I call my husband and I say, can you meet for a margarita? And he says, yes. And I tell him, Bobby wants to move to Nashville and he's invited me to go. Now, not everybody that worked for our show got invited. There was about, there was a a group that came, but Hmm. not everybody, which was hard because we'd all been together a long time and it was very weird. Yeah. And uh, so then we came, we came to Nashville and then we started adopting the domestic baby here. But at this point, something was different because something about that move, I felt like put my other foot in the door. Sure. Of like, okay, this is real now. This is a career. Like if we commit to something like this, I don't know that I can be like, just so you know, when we get that baby, I'm out gone. of here. We're out of here. This is temporary. <laughs> so literally the same year that we moved here, that same month almost, we, I had gone to Haiti in December and we moved of 2012. We moved here in February of 2013. In January of 2013, I took my husband to Haiti with me because when I was there in December, I saw older kids that did not, were not Mm. matched with parents. All the babies were matched and anybody, not anybody, there were some older ones that were matched, but they say about two and a half and up is when it gets harder to match because people want the babies babies or the infants. Even though the adoption process takes so long, you're not going to get them as a baby, but it means you're going to get them as young as possible. Sure. So... I just started telling him, like, I don't know. There's this little boy, Stevenson. He peed on me, and I need you to go meet him. And I don't know what's going to happen because you don't go and just pick your kids. We ended up going back more and more, yeah. uh, even though we'd moved to Nashville. But now we're still adopting domestically, but we're, we've got this heart thing happening with Haiti. Like, mm. what? Well, why do? Why aren't we letting this go? So we went back that summer. Then, then I was going through some pictures. Actually, the adoption book you have to make a book for your birth mom so she can flip through and maybe pick you. Yeah. And she, which, let me tell you how nice Nashville is. When we got here, nothing. The pop world's great, but like country, and it's weird because Cheryl Crow comes from the pop world, but she lives in Nashville, and I think she's country and in her soul. Yeah. But. <laughs> The country artist community is so amazing. Everybody is so kind and awesome. Mm. And I get that that's a blanket statement because I'm sure there's some, you know, real yeah. heads mixed in there. But overall, the theme is kind and awesome, which that I wouldn't say that's the blanket theme in pop. In pop, yeah. But also, too, we weren't as close to the artists because we didn't live in LA. We didn't live in New York. We lived in Austin. Yeah. They didn't yeah. even really come into our studio. They had phoners with us, you know? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. fine. We'll phone into that show. We're not going to go in person. <laughs> but living in Nashville and being here, and Cheryl Crow came into the show, and she knew I was adopting, and she knew we were new to town. And she's like, I have a, she adopted. She's like, I have a great lawyer if you need one, and maybe you should go that route. And if you're not happy with wow. your agency. And I just remember being like, what? This is crazy. Were you like, I just had a phone call with Cheryl Crow, who's just like a normal human. Yeah. Who's now like our good friend Tracy's like her BFF, but, and Tracy adopted from Haiti. But that was just a really cool moment for me where it was someone stepping in and another adoptive mom and being like, hey, this could help you out. So the reason why we had to make that book is we ended up working with her lawyer and then she had us put together these books that she could show birth moms that were coming to her to, um, choose adoption. Mm -hmm. 
I used to use the language, give up your baby. And I don't say that anymore because it's, they're choosing a better, they're choosing what they feel is best for their child. They're not trying, they're not giving them away or giving them up because that child will always be a part of them. Yeah. And it's got to be the hardest thing. I mean, I know there's a lot of hard things in the world, but that's one of them probably to be a a mom that had to do that. And I think about my kids' moms all the time. So then we, uh, we have our little book that we've made. And I'm going through the pictures I picked out. And one of the chat, the pages I put on there was Haiti because now Haiti was a big part of our life. We were traveling there. We knew we were going to be involved, but probably just on a level of supporting the orphanage, mm-hmm. not adopting. And I, even though I was still thinking about it, but I hadn't, I didn't know what I was doing. I kind of thought we're going to adopt, but we've got this newborn baby we're supposed to get from America. We're doing a domestic. I have not given up on this. Like I had latched onto that and that's what was happening. Even though one day we may adopt from Haiti, but I was letting the birth mom know Haiti's a big part of our heart. I don't know what's happening with that, but here's Haiti. And in this picture with Ben was this little girl named Stashira. She was always around. Mm. But but even when I thought about adopting from Haiti, because of course, again, we were getting a newborn domestic. <laughs> I thought we'd just adopt one from Haiti because we'd have a baby and then do Haiti and that's yeah. how it would work. Well, then, because we, we knew we wanted two kids, and I told Ben, I said, I know we're thinking about adopting one kid from Haiti, but I mean, this girl, she's, she's older than Stevenson. She's yeah. like six and she's not matched. I checked. And... I don't think that that's normal for you to be able to check because so I don't want to mislead anybody listening to think that they can go to Haiti and that's how it works. But because we had gotten involved at the orphanage and we were helping there, I was able to just ask the director out of curiosity. And again, I didn't even know if it would work out with Stevenson and Stashira. And I'll get to that in a second. But we decided to, we even almost got matched with a birth mom here. And that was weird. We were in real talks about it with the lawyer. And then we ultimately decided it wasn't going to be best for us. And Mm -hmm. I think that that she found that she was taken aback by that. Like what? We've been working at this and what are you doing? And we decided to say no to that because we were going to go. There were some other reasons, but now I know why that happened. And it was because we were meant to adopt two kids from Haiti. And even when you start that process, you can't guarantee that the government's going to match you with those two that are available. But we knew our odds were good because we knew we were adopting from that specific orphanage. And we, in our paperwork, we decided to put a certain age range and male and female. We tried to put things that would be in our favor. But we knew all along, too, if the government were to match us with anybody else, we had to be okay with that. Sure. And we we were going to be. But it worked out. And it's Stevenson and Stashira. And now they are our kids. And we never got that newborn domestic baby. (laughs) But... It didn't affect my career really because they got here and they were both old enough to be in school. So it's not like I needed to stay home and be home. I work mornings. Yeah. So if they're going to school and I'm working, I didn't need to make that shift. Yeah. So I never, the reason why I never, I just never felt like it was my career for so long. Yeah. But I was waking up and doing it. I was fully invested, but I would have never said, I'm a career woman. Yeah. I, this is what I'm doing. This is my job. Which, here's what like, I, I just love about that is that it is representative of all of us, how we we're just getting by day by day, trying to figure it out, but none of us really know what the heck we're doing. And you think you have this one vision for your life and life is kind of like leading you 
in different directions and 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 then you just say yes in certain moments to what feels like yes a or right, no yeah, yeah 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 but you you're just like making those decisions day by day and then somehow it's gotten you to exactly where you are right now, where, which is exactly where you're meant to be. Like if you, my husband's in here now. Ben, did you ever think we would be living in Nashville, Tennessee with two Haitian children, you not in the Air Force and me with a full-blown radio career? <laughs> he still up. gets to do pilots. He's still, he has an awesome career outside of that. And luckily he's been supportive and he's been able to live wherever because yeah. of the nature of his job. But it's been a sacrifice for him and I, that's not lost on me. That's why that we never thought, if anything, it would be, he would, I guess we probably always thought he would still be in the Air Force and he would stay in until he retired. But he he decided to separate for a family. Like he got out because he saw the life that we knew we wanted to start a family and he saw the life we would have with it and the demands of the particular career path he was on in the Air Force. And he made that sacrifice for our Mm -hmm. family that we didn't even have yet. So- that was huge. But once I knew that I was all in and I was going to make this my career, I told Bobby, okay, moving to Nashville, that's a game changer. Now, yeah. I'm, now, now it's my career. Now I'm in. Um, even if I do get that baby, I'm, I'm in. So, but if I go, if we get this said platform they say we're going to have, we have to use it for good. Uh, I love that. Or that's how I will come. And he said, we will. Perfect. Because our show is very philanthropic now. Mm -hmm. And Bobby gives so much. The show does. Our listeners do. It's a huge part of who we are. But that was not our MO back on KISS FM. We were concerned about ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) And it was so fun. And it was awesome. And we did stupid pranks. And we played games. And, you know, we didn't do, like, it was just just fun again. But when it became real... That's when the things I was passionate about started creeping in. And I thought, okay, I'll do this if we can do that. And he said, yes. So I would say, I don't know. I don't know how to answer the pitfall question, I guess. I keep going back to it in my head. Like, how do I, how do I answer that? You've kind of answered it. I okay. mean, I think, I think what the takeaway for me really is that it's not like you had this vision for your life and you've really hustled and jumped through every hoop and you've created the exact vision that you always had for your life. I think the takeaway is so often where life leads us is not what we envisioned for ourselves, but it's better and deeper and richer. And, and that's think, part of finding our voice is, is that. Now I'm remembering how you phrased that question and where, where I am now and me saying yes to the Nashville thing and yes to giving back and then yes to two kids from Haiti and yes to being a wife, I would say that's where the pitfall comes in is all the things and not knowing how to manage them. Mm. And then uh, adding a podcast and now going to be working on my own podcast network soon. And as Pimp and Joy, which is a movement that started with my mom and her cancer cancer battle. And we ended up, we lost her in 2014. So Pimp and Joy has been going strong for five years, mm. which is something to manage. I mean, it's something that's important to me. Yeah. It's, we have... Uh, apparel associated with it that we sell and it goes towards all kinds of various causes. And we've been able to donate over $2 million to various things. And my mom would not believe that. She would be like, really? All because of my decision to choose joy when I had cancer and Judy be pimping joy and what? That would blow her mind. And so it's important to me to keep that going, but it involves some work. And 
I wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to do it. Bobby, the Bobby Bone Show, and I, we wouldn't be able to do it without Mary and the Shop Forward, which is how that happens. And then through Mary, we started Espoir, which is, means hope in Haitian Creole, which we use to support various Haitian causes. Mm-hmm. It started with just supporting the orphanage where my kids were because there was one month the nannies weren't going to get their salary or something. We were like, well, we know we see what Pimp and Joy does with a t-shirt and a hat. Why don't we make an Espoir shirt and throw that up there and sell that? And then it went from now we've got a lot of different things in our Espoir line. We do the product development. Like we come up with everything. We market it all on Instagram, basically, like nowhere else. We don't. So a lot of that, it's just a lot running. It's almost like that's running a business. The radio show is a business. Running the podcast is a business. Being a mom is a business. And you know, being a wife is a business. And I feel like that's where my husband and I really need to work on that. Everything is just go, go, go Mm. all the time. That that's probably the relationship that suffers first. And that's, is that a pitfall? (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Yeah, that's a pitfall. (laughs) But that's where, I mean, you just feel like you're on this never ending hamster wheel. And as things as you grow, more opportunities come yeah. and you have to learn what to say yes to and what to say no to. And I'm not a yes person, but I, I, I'm not very good at deciding what I should say no to. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. So I've gotten through help and wisdom from others that I look up to. I've learned to kind of just instinctually, if I don't feel it, then I just have to say no. Yeah. And I can't think twice about it or feel like I'm hurting somebody's feelings because I'm not. I mean, I'm, I hope I'm not, it's nothing against them. I just have, don't have space for that at the moment. And so it's learning to navigate that and juggle it because it's all way more than I ever thought, you know, that's a pitfall for sure. That's like a challenge of being a woman in the workplace, right? You're a full-time mom and full-time working times three. And men too. (laughs) I mean, like as, as I work towards like women empowering women and women being out there and I host a female country radio show like every weekend called Women in I Heart Country and we only play female artists and females are trying to get on the radio more and Bobby's a huge champion of that mm-hmm. big time and he made that one of his important missions here which is which is great for females and I have a lot of females that that come on that show or come on my podcast that are in the business and they're working hard and they're grinding it but they're like, nobody asks men how they do it all. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like, why are they not being like, so how are you a dad and a CEO? I know, that's true. But like when we're a woman doing it, so it's like, yes, I want to hear how women are doing it all. But at the same time, I want to get to where that's not a question. That's a great point. Yeah, that's really true. Because like then that means maybe we're finally at a- More of a balance. A balanced yeah. place. That's really good. Yeah. So- Circling all the way back to where we started, I wanted you to talk a little bit about what, how your passions are kind of finding, coming to their fruition right now, or your whatever find your voice means to you. Right, you feel like finding what I'm passionate about. Yeah, stepping into it right now. I feel like the podcast, which is called Four Things with Amy Brown, has given me a place to really explore more of what I want to talk about because I was given this platform, and being on the Bobby Bone Show that instantly gives you some people, you know, if. And so I'm thankful for that, that I had listeners right away that would follow me there and listen to me there in more of a long form and expand on things that I would want to talk about. Let me say, I have different guests that come on. I have lots of different topics that are very trivial. 
<laughs> and really like it doesn't like some of the stuff is just like for fun and takeaway. It's not this like super deep, intense podcast all the time. No, it's very, but it's a it's but there's a, mix a of, there's a mix of things. It's a yeah. variety. But I do love that the wellness component, the health and wellness side of that, and then being able to share too things that Haiti projects that we're doing. Like I had Mike Wilson come in. Espoir recently was supporting My Life Speaks, which is a special needs, like a foster care system. But a lot of people just don't understand exactly how it works. So it's easier to just say orphanage. But he is loving, like in Haiti, kids that have special needs can be just put in the trash Mm -hmm. because they feel like there are some Haitians are taught to believe that they are demon possessed or that you can catch it from them like catch the demon. So they don't want anything to do with them and they are not loved and they are set aside. And so he is really doing amazing work there, loving on those kiddos and giving them a life and other families too and empowering families that have special needs kids that want to raise their kid, but they don't know how and they don't have the tools or the finances and the resources. So they help provide that. But what I love and what I'm passionate about is that now I have a platform. Like I could never be like, hey, Mike, come on the Bobby Bone Show and you'll have a couple minutes to talk about what you're doing. And not that Bobby's not passionate about that, but it's just not the right space. Now we've done Pimp and Joy stuff on the show that has benefited Haiti and that's all great, which wouldn't you know, it's it's a real bummer. And I I say that in country music, it might be this, but it's, it's probably even in different genres, but this is the genre that I know. And it's also part of the world too, that can be just a little bit more sheltered. Mm. Some people that are listening and they love America and I do too, but they sometimes have a voice on if we're doing a donate, uh, a fundraiser for Haiti or that I adopted kids from Haiti. It's like, why not America? What about kids here? And what? I'm not going to be a part of this. So that's also a real bummer. So again, that's not why we wouldn't have Mike on. Actually, Bobby would probably have Mike on to just show those people, look at what this guy's doing. Sure. But really that, but anyway, just, that was just a side note of sometimes like if you're, it's just a, it's just a bummer that we still have people that, that think that way. But you get to be part of, and I get to be part of hopefully changing that. And so if some people are moving, sometimes it's just a lack of exposure. Right. So some people maybe listen to the Bobby Bone Show and have those feelings. Maybe they'll listen to my podcast and hear Mm -hmm. some of the interviews that I'm doing. It'll open their perspective and they'll learn that loving your neighbor shouldn't have a border because it, it shouldn't whether they're across the city line or the state. I mean, if you really start to think that small, then if you're supposed to just love, like where you're from, America, then, well, if you were born in Texas, should we really just love Texans yeah. first? Or just Texas first? <laughs> or what's, or just Austin? Yeah. Or just, like, or just California? Like, yeah. then, I mean, that logic to me just doesn't make sense. But I have to have that grace of, like, well, you never know how certain people were raised, just like in Haiti. They don't know any better. Yeah. I, it may, I'm disgusted by it, but at the same time, I'm saddened by it and have a little bit of grace because— that's how they were raised. They don't know any better. But having the podcast to be able to do stuff that I'm passionate about and give a voice to that is super important to me. And then I've also discovered this other side of me that has been a huge part of me for a long time, but I've never had a voice in it. And that's disordered eating. Mm, I love that you're speaking. It has been probably since high school that I've struggled with it. And I'm almost 39. So let's just call it 25 years. Wow. 
and I've ne- it's never been a main talking point for me ever. And I am now and it wouldn't putting make it sense on the radio show, but now you have a space. Right. It's come can- up casually, but it's not. Again, we are at the Bobby Bone Show. We try to keep it up and positive. Sure. And some of the stuff that we talk about on the podcast isn't necessarily always. Yeah. And it's digging a little bit deeper. And we don't want people to, you know, that you could turn on the news every day and you're hearing <laughs> and like just the negativity. <laughs> yeah. And when you're just tapping into it and you quickly say, Sometimes we just don't even go there because if we can't elaborate on it, then it's just kind of this wah, 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 Debbie Downer moment. Yeah. And then how do you recover from that? Sure. And then you go into playing some dumb game about theme songs from 90s TV shows. And so I like that now I'm finding that voice, but I think it's because I'm in recovery mm. that I, and I'm losing that shame of what's associated with it because I think there is so much shame in different things in life, but especially or with food and something that so many people seem to have such a handle on. Well, why can't you? I mean, yeah. but what I'm learning is a lot of people don't, and there are stories to be told. And the more vocal I get, maybe the more vocal others will decide to get. And then maybe we can help make a shift mm, yeah. in what's expected, especially of women in our bodies and what we're supposed to look like. And yeah. There's not just one way. There's not just one look. And it's not, shouldn't be just skinny. And skinny doesn't equal healthy. And we're not. It doesn't equal beautiful either. Exactly. It doesn't. But our society has taught us that. And that's unfortunate. And not any, not every disordered eating or eating disorder stems from trying to be skinny. Mm -hmm. There's so many other reasons why it's there, but that there's, there's space for freedom and I'm starting to find a taste of that. I'm still working through a lot, but I've surrounded myself with people that this is their passion and this is what they're experts in to where now I I really know that 2020 is going to be the year of really putting that out there. Amazing. And I've even created a special podcast specifically for it called The Gray Area. And that is, it's going to be a four-part series. I, that's season one. There might be a season two. It may not it may be like, okay, well, that was a good run. That was my voice. But yeah. I really feel like this could be season two, season three. And I'm, we're having real people on sharing real stories, not just, I mean, getting vulnerable and having them mm. um, read five minutes, their five minute story. And then also they're reading a letter to themselves back then, oh like what the, them now would tell themselves then. And a lot of the letter, the recordings we're getting, because we're processing through it right now, we're building the series, is so many people say, I'm sorry that you missed out on life. I'm sorry that you didn't eat your grandma's recipes. Mm. I'm sorry that you didn't go out with your friends to celebrate that birthday at that restaurant because you were scared of the food. Stuff like that. That just really, I think is going to, I'm so proud of these women for sharing their stories. And we'll take men too. I just don't have any yet. So it is women driven at the moment. But I'm so... I'm excited about it and I'm it's just an idea that came to me when I my dad was in the hospital recently and I just felt such freedom at the moment there's I won't get into that whole thing but it was I was it was in a parking garage at the Vanderbilt Hospital in Nashville and I called my friend Lisa and I said I have an idea and that oh, and I and then it. this is what has transpired because I just want people to feel that freedom and I want other girls to not be shackled by that anymore. And if we can help move that needle a little bit, yeah. the right direction, that's what I hope they'll do. So that's what, that's, I feel like my 2020 voice, but still Haiti and other things that I'm passionate about, Nespoir sure. and Pimp and Joy. But 
for me, I know that that's a new calling. I love that. It's so neat to see. I think you can really tell when someone has found or is finding their voice because the the act of finding your voice is also giving voice to other people. You're giving voice to the children in the orphanage in Haiti and to, you know, who wouldn't otherwise have a voice and you're giving voice to these women who have struggled with an eating disorder for years and, and wouldn't otherwise have a voice. So you're someone who I admire and respect so much for the voice you do have in the world and for the way that you're always pressing forward and continuing to develop that voice and you're sharing your platform in a hundred different ways that are benefiting our community in Nashville and also benefiting the wider world. And I am inspired by you every single day. So I'm really, I literally had like 10 questions that I wanted to ask you about writing. Oh, and we're no, no, no. We did not even, okay. And that's what this podcast is about. I don't care. But here I'll (laughs) save people from wondering if they're like, Oh, I wanted to know those writing things. Guys, I'm, I'm not a writer. Okay. And I, you're going to write a book. But I'm going to write. Oh, you're, Allie I'm, says I'm going to write a book, <laughs> but if, listen, if I do, Allie will be, it'll be like also written by Amy, Amy's real voice is Allie Fallon. But yes, you're going to, I've told you, I find what you do fascinating and you have such a gift and you have helped me find the words for other things when I didn't have them. And so I'm excited about using some of your prompts and your tools mm. to really start my writing journey. Not not my book, even though I know that you that want me to do that. Someday. It's going to happen. So maybe, I'm convinced. Yeah. So maybe <laughs> one day that might happen. But I think how I don't define myself as a writer yet, maybe next time we talk, I'll be able to say, yes, I am a five-minute-a-day writer now. I love Where it. I'm jotting down. I'm getting more comfortable and believing in myself and I'm not being intimidated. It's not a daunting task anymore. Because honestly, yeah. that's what it is. It does. It can feel really feels daunting. like, but I know with your help, I can, I can get better at it. I want to plug a couple things for you too. Speaking of writing, because you have a journal that you released, yes, that benefits Espoir. Mm-hmm. That's a four things gratitude journal, and everybody should go get one of those right because they're super cute and they're such a fun, easy, non intimidating way to enter into the writing process and start. Recording yeah. your thoughts every single day. There's also, even stickers for days you don't have the words, which, <laughs> which is you know, brilliant. Which is fine. It's but we just so wanted good. to make it fun. And we put really inspiring quotes sprinkled throughout. And we put prompts in the back. So if Amazing. you're ever struggling one day, you can just read a question, you know, to help you think of something that you're thankful for. And yeah, the, they benefit Project MetaShare in Haiti, the education there. And they're tie-dye and they're super cute. And they're so cute. And, and you just interviewed me on your podcast. So yes. if you don't already listen to Amy's podcast, Four Things with Amy Brown, you should go listen to it. You should also follow her on Instagram because you'll get to see her super cute kids and so many other fun things. But I do love following Stevens, Stevenson and oh Sashira. Yes. Um, um, so you follow her at Radio Amy. Yeah, Amy Brown was taken. But Radio, Radio Amy is a great... That's I know. A great I feel handle. like sometimes people meet me though. And I only recently started putting my last name out there. For the longest time, I did not. So I was just Radio Amy or I was Amy. And yeah. Nobody knew my nice last to... name. And so now that I'm, again, finding my voice, yeah. I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm not just Radio Amy from the Bobby Bone Show. Yeah. I'm Amy Brown and I have stuff going on. Yeah. So I'm trying to be proud of that. But I Radio Amy, dot, Radio Amy is my handle. So then we decided for the website also. I have one and amybrown.com was taken. I think she's like a fairy artist or something. <laughs> but so, so don't go to Amy Brown. I, I mean, know you can, it's, but. I feel cheesy sometimes saying it, but radioamy.com is how you can really find everything like Amazing. Pimp and Joy stuff, Espoir, the Espoir lines of the journal. Yes. And oh my gosh, I bought Matt a girl dad 
shirt because we're oh, having a baby girl. Mary did that at the shop forward. Yes. In so honor of Kobe. Right. So she, Mary was a huge, uh, which she's my Espoir business partner and she runs the shop forward, which is a great company you need to check out. And I she, feel like I just get all of them mixed up. Like well, I the shop forward, is, think of it as like the shop forward is the mothership. Okay. Right. And then she partners with like Pimp and Joy. We were her first collaboration. Okay. So she comes in and she handles all the web the orders and the shipping okay. and the de- product development. Okay. And so because the Bobby Bunch, we don't print, like we couldn't print thousands of Pimp sure, and Joy hats yeah. and make them in shirts and, and then she's ship like them, out. them out. Yeah. Like if it was me, which this was how I envisioned us doing it when I realized we might do it, I was like, well, I'm going to be in the dining room <laughs> packing shipping labels and throwing stuff to people. And like, Allie, you're so tiny. Like I, knowing my luck, you would get like extra, extra large. <laughs> And I would be like, hey, it's for a good cause. I'm so sorry. Could you just keep <laughs> you it? Just wear, it's a night shirt. <laughs> right. That's but Mary, funny. like, she makes it all happen. Okay. But that makes sense. Th- Pim and Joy was her first, but now she has other collaborations, but she also has her own product design under the Shop Ford, okay. which is like if she sees a need like that, like she was a huge Lakers fan, loved Kobe Bryant. She knew that a fund had been set up for all the families on the helicopter because there's other people on there, not just Kobe. Yeah. That, like, there's one girl left that she lost her whole family on there. And like, now she's. Like some people, this was weird to me too. Like they'd be like, Kobe Bryant was so rich. Like, why is there a fund? I don't get it. And Mary's like, there was other people. There were other people on the- There was nine people. So there's a fund set up and because she has all this established now, she can do things like, I mean, it's a business and I don't want to miss, the shop for it is her business and she operates it as such, but it gives back. But like girl dad, because she's in business and she can do things like, for certain products like Pimp and Joy and Girl Dad, 100% of the proceeds are going to go to this. And we don't, you know, but anyway, we decided to part because she loves Haiti too. We founded Espoir together, but it lives under the Shop Forward umbrella. Love it. So amazing. And also the Bobby Bones show. If you you don't listen to it. RadioAmy.com. You can find links to the Bobby Bones show too. So really just RadioAmy.com. Okay. Find find Amy there. Do it now. Thank Thank you, you, Allie. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Find Your Voice podcast. We hope this inspires you to pick up a pen and start finding the words that will change your life, your community, and your world. If you liked what you heard today, share with a friend, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't already, check out our website, findyourvoice.com. Subscribe to our Monday Motivation for free and get inspiring writing prompts in your inbox each week. Until next time, happy writing.